great bill in the state of Florida. We've got one like that in Missouri. We just don't enforce it. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, but first, uh, Dr. Marie Sabrin is with us. He is a professor of finance in the uh, Annisfield School of Business, uh, Rampo College in New Jersey. He's uh, been a member of the faculty since 1985, and he is with us today. Professor, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, Gary. How about things on uh, your neck of the woods? Uh, they're doing pretty, pretty, I'm doing pretty well, too. Let me ask you, uh, the, the, the Fed is going to make a decision on uh, raising the interest rate. Uh, what is your take? Do you think they'll do it? Well, yeah, uh, inflation is still strong in the economy. We're still running at around 6% year over year from uh, 2022. So that means inflation is higher than interest rates. So that means we still have negative real interest rates. And we've never had uh, a recession begin when negative rates have been, uh, when uh, interest rates have been negative. Uh, the last time we had a major recession uh, back in the, the Volcker days in the early uh, 1980s, interest rates were well above the rate of inflation. We had 16% interest rates and 12% inflation. Now we have just the opposite. We have uh, uh, the interest on savings is much lower than the inflation rate. So there's still a lot of, quote, cheap money out there. The question is, are the banks uh, lending? And we know that uh, home builders are trying to move their inventory by uh, buying down mortgages for uh, prospective home buyers. So uh, there's a lot of flux going on in the uh, economy because of the distortions created by the Federal Reserve's uh, cheap money policies from 2020. And now we're seeing the consequences of how the Fed um, really just destabilized the economy. There's no other word to describe it. A free market economy, Gary, as we all know, brings goods and services that the people want, and it's a smooth process, it's a, it's a seamless process, and every time the government intervenes, it causes shortages, it causes surplus, it causes higher prices than they otherwise would be in a free market. And so uh, we have a mess in our hand on the one hand, but on the other hand, and this is the beauty of the American economy, the entrepreneurs are doing what they do best, which is getting the goods and services to the people, despite all the things that the government throws at them in terms of regulations and taxes and um, and this uh, destabilizing monetary policy. So are you suggesting that in order to actually get the inflation rate to drop to 2%, which is what they consider acceptable, um, they're going to have to raise the interest rates above the inflation rate? Well, that's that's historically that's what's been done in order for for the Fed to break the back of inflation. So uh, let's see what they announce today. I think the announcement comes off at two p.m. and we'll see uh, how the markets react. I mean, this, is, this shows you how unstable the uh, the financial system is. Is when the, when the stock market, the bond market, currency markets are all uh, sit, uh, all the participants are sitting at the edge of their seats to see what the Fed is doing. That's you wouldn't have that in a free market economy, and that's why. Uh, I and others have been um, criticizing the Fed for decades, and uh, that message, unfortunately, hasn't gotten through yet. But uh, one day will come when um, they will say, uh, we just can't manage the economy, which they think they can do. This is the hubris of, of Federal Reserve officials and economists who support them, as well as members of the business community who think the Fed is a necessary institution. But it's not. It's, we, had, we had tremendous prosperity in the 19th century without, without a central bank. Well, uh, for the record, uh, a snapshot here. The Dow is down 333. Uh, the S&P is down 21. NASDAQ is down uh, 51. Or no, 50. Uh, even the Russell is down uh, by about 7. So you're right. The market is 
waiting anxiously to find out what what they're going to do. So is this is this uh, you know quarter point quarter point quarter point? Um, is this the way to do it, or should they rip the Band-Aid off and just go, inflation is 6, we're going to crank the interest rate to 7? Well, that's what they should do, because that would break the back of inflation uh, in one fell swoop. It would, uh, it would uh, stop the rise in rent. It would stop the rise in a lot of prices around the economy. And we know prices do not rise evenly. Uh, some prices go up a lot. Like eggs are up, what, 50% or more from a year ago. Uh, other products are, are are through the roof. Some prices are down from a year ago. A lot of the high-tech items, which traditionally go down over the course of the economy, because that's the nature of uh, productivity in uh, in breakthrough technologies. And so, uh, uh, again, the Fed has to do what it should uh, do now in order to break the back of inflation. But if you don't want to have the type of economy we have now, the Fed shouldn't have been inflating in the first place in 2020. So we go through the cycle, Gary, since the Fed has been created. And uh, it's not going to end well until uh, because of, of the Fed's uh, disastrous policies. And foreigners are, are realizing that. And that's why they're loading up on precious metals. That's why they're starting to dump dollars. That's why they're starting to uh, hold back on buying uh, treasury debt. And so we have the perfect financial storm for the United States. Which means that we, we, I'm talking about the people in Washington that make policy, they have to determine, do we want to have more government intervention in the economy, which will, of course, give us a lower standard of living, or do they just want to um, have a free market economy, which will increase prosperity for everyone who is willing to work? Uh, could it be the soft landing goal that keeps them from just ripping the Band-Aid off? Is that more important or less important uh, than just, yeah, well, you know... The, they always say they want a soft landing, but it, it hasn't happened. Uh, we've had, quote, soft landings, uh, I guess, during the dot-com bubble. That was a, a, a bubble confined basically to the high-tech companies that were created during the 1990s, during the, uh, the, the uh, Internet rage. Uh, we've had a soft landing in the SNL crisis of 1990, but we had the major crisis of 73, 74. That was the oil crisis and the second oil crisis in 79, 80, 81. And then, of course, the housing bubble got burst, which really affected everybody uh, who was uh, who had a house, who had commercial real estate. Uh, it was just a bad, bad situation because of all the inflating that the Fed done in order to fight the, the dot-com bubble. So whenever there's a crisis, which is, of course, caused by bad policy, then the Fed comes in to try to fix it, and it, it uh, sets the stage for another crisis down the road. So this is the wash, rinse, repeat cycle we've been going through for more than 100 years since the Fed was created. And so um, when they will uh, find that old-time religion of sound money and balanced budgets is anyone's guess in Washington. But uh, right now, people have to do what they uh, should be doing to protect themselves from um, what, be, what could be coming down the pike. Before I let you go, um, and by the way, uh, Dr. Sabrin has a, a piece at Substack, Murray Sabrin. That's S-A-B-R-I-N, mariesabrin.substack.com. This 2% uh, goal, uh, which the uh, Federal Reserve has targeted, it seems kind of arbitrary. Am I, is, no is there, is, is oh. there a, a, you know, a reason 2% is acceptable? There's, there's no theoretical foundation for a 2% inflation rate. In fact, as I point out in my Substack column uh, yesterday, is that in a free market economy, prices slowly fall. That's the nature of a free market economy. As the supply of goods increases and the money supply is relatively stable, 
prices will have to go down. If wages stay the same and prices go down 2 3% a year, that means your real income is going up 2 3% a year. Right now, people are losing 2 3% or 4% a year in purchasing power because the rate of inflation is greater than their salary increases. But for some companies who have to hire, uh, who are, find the shortage of, of people, they're, uh, they're raising uh, wages 6 7 8 10% because of the labor shortage, because people have dropped out of the, of the labor market. But this 2%, I don't know where it came from. I've looked in the economic literature. There's no theoretical foundation for it. And it's just another example of trying to manipulate the economy for an outcome that that is just not feasible. And since a 2% inflation means that there are so many prices in the economy, thousands and thousands of prices, how do you get all those prices to come together for a 2% increase? It's just... It's just empirically impossible to do. And when we've had low inflation for the past few years before we've seen this recent inflation, that was uh, uh, because of good luck and because of uh, China is selling us low price goods. Uh, Amazon has increased competition for our consumers and uh, Walmart and other big box stores have been holding down prices as best they can. So uh, we've been, consumers have enjoyed the best of uh, both of all worlds prior to the feds going crazy in 2020 because of COVID. And so right now we're paying the price for the feds, irresponsible policies of the last few years. I don't see it ending. I don't see anybody with the uh, testicular fortitude to stop the badness. I just don't. Well, so many, so many people are dependent upon government checks. That's why government spending keeps on going up. And uh, so many businesses are dependent upon cheap money. That's why the Fed keeps on keep, uh, keeps interest rates below the rate of inflation. And uh, we just have a bad uh, philosophical foundation for our uh, economic policy that uh, this thing doesn't end until you get a total collapse. Uh, by a total collapse, I mean something where foreigners don't buy our debt, they cash in our dollars. And then the dollar goes down in value, uh, the debt is unsold, and the Fed has to monetize it. Or they do what they have to do in Washington, or they should do in Washington, which is reduce spending. And that's tough to do, since a good portion of the budget is Medicare, Medicaid, and uh, Social Security. But the, the so-called discretionary items can be cut. Uh, the military uh, budget can be cut uh, dramatically because uh, we have uh, troops and, and bases all around the world. And last night on um, Tucker Carlton, Jimmy Dore, gave probably the best explanation of the military-industrial complex I've heard on, on um, mainstream television in my lifetime. I mean, he just he just uh, ripped a, uh, one for the uh, Pentagon and the military-industrial complex, showing that it's all about money. It's not about uh, uh, anything else but people aligning their pockets from uh, from the scare tactics they're using about uh, the bogeyman overseas. Never ends. Uh, his newsletter is uh, murraysabrin.substack.com. Please subscribe. The name of the book is? From Immigrant to, from immigrant to Public Intellectual, an American Story. And uh, I'm so proud of this. It's, uh, and in uh, less than two weeks, we have Valentine's Day coming up. I, just, I thought about uh, Valentine's Day uh, in the last few days because the book is really a love story to America, or I should say... Uh, uh, I guess a love story to America because America became my home in 1949 when I, my parents and uh, brought my brother and I to America. And uh, it's been a great uh, experience living in America for the past uh, 74 years. It, it, things happen here that couldn't happen anywhere else, especially when we were a freer country than we are today. Dr. Murray Sabrin, thank you for being with us. 
Thank you, uh, Gary. Look forward to it again. All right. Take care. Glad to have you on. Coming up, a bill in Florida that we've already passed here, but it doesn't get enforced, and it's a frustrating lack of enforcement. We'll kick that around next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It's, uh, it's 23 minutes after 10 o'clock. Uh, coming up, we're, we'll play the audio for you. You almost have to go uh, and see the video. Uh, but a bunch of vegans decided to stop a, a, a cattle hauler and uh, step in front of his truck. And it, it didn't work out so well for them. Uh, but we have to, uh, have to make sure that it's arable. So hang on, we'll try to get to that uh, sometime after 10.30. It's just, it's the beauty of their stupidity. God, I love that piece. Uh, in the meantime, down in Florida, they finally passed a bill that we've got in Missouri uh, that would make continuous driving in the left lane illegal in Florida. And I like that law. And we've got it here in Missouri. The problem is, we just don't enforce the damn thing. And I really wish uh, that we would. Once you have completed the pass, Missouri law requires you to return to the right lane. It isn't legal or safe to continuously drive in the left lane. As far as overtaking vehicles is concerned, make sure you're in a safe passing zone. Uh, Missouri revised statute 304.016 addresses the passing laws. How many times have you driven down 70 or 63 and had to follow two cars side by side tying up the whole road? It's one of those things that really make me crazy. You're driving down the highway. You're in the left lane. If you're not passing somebody, get the hell out. I mean, really, just put the, put the right-hand turn signal on uh, when there's a break in traffic, slide over, or pass and slide over, or drop back and slide. But leave that lane clear for people who want to pass, or maybe a rescue squad, or somebody is uh, just speeding to the hospital. Get out of the way. All you do is frustrate people. And while we're at it, I don't know of a, a new car, and maybe there's one out there. But I can't think of a new car made in the last 15 years that didn't come standard with some form of cruise control. Now, I like the idea of cruise control uh, because if you're set at your speed and I'm set at my speed, we don't play catch up and, t and pass. Uh, one of us is going to be going, maybe we're going the same speed or one of us is going faster, but it's over. What happens is somebody will come up alongside, uh, going faster, they'll cut in front of me, and then they'll slow down. And I'm on cruise control, so I know it's not me. I swing out and let the cruise take me around them, and about a mile or two down the road, they're back on my left side, passing me again. For God's sakes, if you've got cruise control, use it. If you don't have cruise control, do what we used to do before the advent of cruise Keep your eye on the speedometer. Isn't that what, one of the more frustrating things about taking a trip on the highway? It just, it makes me crazy. So they just passed this bill in Florida. Hopefully they'll, <clears throat> they'll enforce it. But I've seen this over and over and over again. They get in the left lane and they drive right alongside 
Or what's even more frustrating, and I know you've seen this, they'll get in the left lane and they'll be maybe a half a vehicle ahead of the car in the right lane or a half a vehicle behind. Not enough for you to get around them, just enough to whet your appetite and think, oh, man, uh, maybe I can make this. And then they don't do it. Crazy making. All right, I just wanted to vent about that. If you, uh, if you find that uh, as frustrating as, as I do, you got a friend, because I agree with you. It is just really, really frustrating. 874-9390, the toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Uh, Mary says, uh, would it be possible to get John Potter on your talk show with the craziness of Columbia School Board? I think it would really help the conversation to hear from John so they get out and vote. I'm afraid that crazy liberals are going to attack him so much, no one will really hear his true message. Well, you know, we, we've got... Uh, uh, Chuck Basie running for the school board. God, I would love to see him get on the school board. I can't endorse him, though. It's like the kiss of death for politicians in Colombia. But he would be great. Can you imagine him? Oh, uh, I'm, uh, boy. But we have Chuck on uh, every, uh, every couple of weeks. And uh, we'll have him back on this show, too, especially when the school board thing right uh, runs up, and he had to go to court in order to run. Let me get Gary on the line very quickly before I run out of time on uh, traffic and drivers. Yes, sir. Okay, Gary, what drives me crazy is I'm on cruise control, and I'm slowly gaining on a, on a truck or a car ahead of me, not really fast, and there's plenty of length between us. Here comes some guy in the passing lane going like a son of a gun up past you know, a couple cars behind. And then when he gets to my, about my rear end of my car, he stops. Yeah. And I have to put on my brakes in order to let him go on by. Yes. He, he, he's moving along, and you think he'll go past this vehicle, and you'll swing out That's and pass right. it. And then suddenly they, they, they're going the same speed, and you have to hit the brakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bananas. That does make me crazy, and it happens all the time. Yeah, what, what have you seen a car in the last 15, 20 years, Gary, that didn't come with cruise control? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> no, use it. All right, good yeah. point. Take care. Take care, you Bye. too. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. I'm not saying you have to use it on an, in an ice storm or something like that or, or a snowstorm or, or even, uh, you know, hard rain. But most of the time when you're out on the highway, that's not the circumstance. Set it and go. It would just make traffic flow so much more easily. Uh, let's see. The worst arguments my wife and I have had in the past 25 years are her annoying habit uh, to cruise in the left lane. I bring it up, and the expletives fly. Her only defense is you're blind. You don't drive, so shut up. Sometimes I pray for her to get a ticket. Oh, David. <laughs> Hey, let's hope not. All right, up against the clock. We gotta we gotta take a quick break. A little Kamala Harris audio and uh, some genius vegans stepping in front of a tractor trailer. Oh, I love it. Jerry Nolan Zimmer Radio Network. This.
This is the Gary Nolan Show. It's 10.35. Uh, the uh, vegan audio, we'll play that for you. We'll give you a play-by-play. Uh, but first, we have to start with a woman who probably should be riding the short bus. And uh, Keep their signature yellow. Are go. these new green buses going to keep their signature yellow color? These are going to remain yellow school buses because who doesn't love a yellow school bus? They will remain yellow, but their heart will be green. <laughs> uh, that's the vice president, uh, and she loves a yellow... Brian, don't you love yellow school buses? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. everybody loves a yellow school bus. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> Can you provide a little context for that? When did that happen and what was well, this apparently they're um looking at a <laughs> they're looking at this uh you know battery powered school buses ah okay and uh he wanted he wanted to make sure they'd still be yellow <laughs> and she says you know what she said oh everybody loves the yellow school bus oh my god how the hell did they make her a vice president i jeez you people had you lefties uh, really uh, must have been desperate all right here we go um, the story is on MRC TV, uh, and um, it, it's re- it's great. Uh, it, this is a, a group of quote self righteous vegans who use their skinny hemp clad bodies to try to stop an eighteen wheeler filled with pigs headed to an Ontario slaughterhouse. And suffice it to say, it didn't go as planned. Standing here in front of uh, Fearman Slaughterhouse, where 10,000 lives are taken daily. 10,000 innocent lives slaughtered here for no more than the taste buds of humankind, of humans. Here we have the truck approaching, where approximately 300 animals are stacked into this truck. We're going we're to stop this truck so we can bear witness. Now they step out in front of the truck. got run over. Wonder how that happened. <laughs> and they want to know what's wrong with him, the driver. Lunatic. Want to stop. Lunatics. Yeah. <laughs> the driver's a lunatic. What's wrong with him? Not what's wrong with me standing in front no of a moving tractor life, trailer. No respect for human life, no respect for animal life. <laughs> They were defeated. Psychopath. Yeah, yeah. That was the last thing he said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he certainly he's the, is. He's the crazy <laughs> one. Wow. Them stepping in front of a moving tractor trailer to try to stop it. Oh, that's perfectly Complete sane. lack of self-awareness. Oh, my God. These people are crazy. Oh, and they want to rule the world. Uh, unbelievable. All right. Uh, we just brought that to you uh, strictly for the entertainment value. Uh, because we thought you would enjoy that, and and I did. There is a uh, a piece written by one Rod Graham, 
And uh, he says, one of the major narratives about working class white Americans, white people without college degrees, has been that they vote against their economic interests. They've shifted to the right since the mid-1990s and support policies that may preserve their cultural identity but do little to address their economic downside or downslide. Uh, restricting abortion is a winning issue with them, but not raising the minimum wage. Banning critical race theory is a top priority, but not universal health care. Consider Barack Obama's infamous 2008 remarks about Midwestern uh, working class voters. They get bitter. They cling to their guns or religion or antipathy to people who aren't like them, aren't anti-immigrant sentiment or anti-trade sentiment as a way to explain their frustrations. Uh, so apparently white middle-class working Americans, the question uh, this author asks is, are they ready to trade in some of their whiteness? How insane, how absolutely insane. There is nobody who can make a logical argument for increasing minimum wage. It can't be done. It's, it, there is no logical argument that, that holds water. Uh, I've debated with people on national television, on national radio, on local radio, no one has ever been able to make the case that raising minimum wage is somehow a good idea. <laughs> this guy thinks, well, you uh, you middle class uh, white workers, you're 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 wrong by uh, not supporting this. He, they everything comes down to race anymore. If you're white, you're just the bad guy, no matter what. How did this happen? They got a picture of a construction worker uh, holding a two by four. He's wearing a yellow hard hat, and he is the he's the picture of the bad guy. How is that possible that he's the bad guy? He's trying to make a living, trying to feed his family, and his whiteness is somehow a problem. These people on the left are out of their ever-loving minds. Whiteness wages. Du Bois was a black sociologist working in the late 19th and early 20th century and a co-founder of the NAACP. He put forth an explanation as to how wealthy whites in the South convinced poor Southern whites to vote against their economic interests. Du Bois argued that whiteness was a form of compensation a benefit of being a member of the dominant racial group. Poor white people voted for the identity of being white and the status and privilege that go along with it. Brian, are you feeling that status and privilege? Oh, yes. I, I have the white guilt as well. Well, you know, you should because you got it relatively easy. Yeah. Uh, you get Everything up at what, 5 o'clock in the morning. You work till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, you, 6. Six o'clock. That's yeah. right, because uh, uh, the Randy Tobler show. So you produce two ra radio broadcasts. You do uh, all kinds of uh, uh, production work. Yeah, uh, that's 
That's living the life of Riley there, boy. I'll tell you, you, you got it easy. I, everything, everything is boils down to race now. You should be guilty about the color of your skin. Um, I feel terrible now. Yeah. I, yeah. I got to go home. Well, fortunately, uh, not yet. Uh, wait uh, uh, another hour and I can't. I can't. 20 minutes. I, I just feel ashamed. You just feel ashamed. Well, fortunately, I'm part Native American, so I, I can, I'm free. I, I don't have to. I, I have no guilt at all. Can you, Jerry, like, good... cast some of your ethnicity over to me? Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, I can't, Brian. I'm sorry. You're just okay. too white. Oh, Jerry, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Hey, Jerry. Jerry, I heard your voice before. Are you still there? Guess he's not. Guess he had to go. Huh. Well, we'll put him on hold. See if there's a, okay. a connection problem. Because I, I now thought he I dropped. Heard. Nope, he's gone. Jerry, sorry. I don't know what happened. Uh, 874-9390. Toll free 800-529-5572. You know, we were talking about minimum wage a little while ago. And... Um, I found a piece of audio from you when this guy named Mark owned you on minimum wage. And it's really enjoyable to listen because, you know, I will have to admit, not often does anyone take the great Gary Nolan down. But in this instance, oh, he owned you. It was it was ugly. Really? Yeah. Yeah. How long is it? It's like a 10 minute piece of audio. It was really classic, though. You'll remember it as soon as we start playing it. Okay, do you want to play it? Uh... Yeah, we could play it next segment. Uh-huh. All right, let's take a break and come back and do it. It's the Gary Nolan Show. The Zimmer Radio. I, I lost a debate on yeah, minimum wage. Yeah, it was, oh man, it was brutal. I felt bad for you that day. All right, Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 10.50, and uh, Brian has some audio of a debate dealing with minimum wage where he said, I, I got my hat handed to me. Yeah. Let's, uh, let me hear this. Let me ask you something. I, let's say you're an employer, and you've got uh, 10 employees. They started at seven and a quarter an hour, and the more they worked for you, the more you trusted them, and the more responsibilities they took on, and you, you started paying them 10.50 an hour. Because they, they were doing, and now um, big government comes in and says, well, you've got to pay a minimum wage of ten fifty an hour. What do I do with those guys who've taken on the extra responsibility and are making ten fifty an hour? If everyone made more money, there would be more customers. So you would actually increase jobs. There would be more money to pay employees. So I have to pay the guys that are already taking on more responsibility more money. Because these other people who are just coming on board, I'm paying them the same the same rate. So not only am I paying more than the seven and a quarter an hour for the minimum wage people, but the people who've taken on responsibility have to take a bump too. So it's about fairness for you. Well, no, I'm just asking you. Um, you know, does that seem right to you? I mean, do I then have to pay everybody more money up the scale? Um, yeah, I think that would be the right thing to do. I see, I see. And where am I going to get all that extra money? From all of the extra customers that are now able to afford your services. From all the what? All the extra... Extra customers? But they're not all making more money, and if they are making more money, then you have just inflated everything. 
driving up the cost of the goods and services and making it equally impossible to pay for. Uh, the economies of scale don't work that way. Well, economies in inflationary times do. And when you inflate wages, you inflate the cost of goods and services to cover the cost of the inflated wages. So now they're making more, but the cost of the goods and services they're buying cost more. Okay, so if you're selling hamburgers for a dollar a piece, yes, okay, uh-huh. and you have ten employees, uh huh, and th- and those employees are now now costing you a dollar extra an hour. Well, no, 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 those ten are, $2. but everybody else that was making more than them has to get paid more too, because you can't pay the guy who's got the least skilled job the same as the guy who's taking on extra responsibility. So instead of it costing me just a dollar more an hour. It's now costing me, what, $30, $40 more an hour? On 10 employees. What about all the, you're talking about the minimum wage employees. I don't think there's any business that relies solely on that. So what do I do with the employees who are making more and who are now being paid the same as the minimum wage employees? Do I let them all have the same pay? I guess you would slide up their rates as oh, well. Oh, so now it gets a little expensive because now everybody in the building is getting a raise. Right, but now everyone in the building can afford to buy your product. But now all the products are more expensive to cover the cost of all those raises. The amount of the price the product would go up would not be even close to the amount that it would cost you, or it would be way less than the, the amount of labor. Well, now how did you figure that out? Okay, so how... You, I mean, you didn't even... You hadn't even thought of the concept that everybody above minimum wage gets a raise and yet in a fraction of a second you told me the computation works out so that the price of the goods don't go up enough to offset the inflationary wage i don't know how you could have figured that out so quickly i'm not sure how uh, uh, you're getting off track here <laughs> no no i'm right on track it's that you can't keep up uh, and it's, it's no, not I'm- your fault it's just that you hadn't thought about these things no, I have thought about these things. Well, clearly I, you I couldn't just, have thought about this because you never heard it before. No, it's the same talking points you guys always use. What do you mean never heard it before? You, you know, Well, when I told you that I have different tiers of employees, just like every corporation and every employer does, and right. I said you raise the minimum wage to $10.50 an hour, the guys that were already working for ten fifty an hour, the guys who have taken on more responsibility, well, they can't be paid the same as the guy who's taking on no responsibility. i got to give him a raise. And when he right, gets up I to agree. $15 an hour, the guy that was making 15 bucks an hour has to make more. So okay. you're driving up the cost of goods and services, but you're also eliminating jobs. Because like Wendy's, you, you heard what Wendy's did, didn't you? They just, they just, they just bought thousands of kiosks. So they could eliminate right. help because they can't afford to pay them their higher minimum wage. So they're but that's going to go. That's going that way naturally, anyways. Just well, the auto industry went to robotics. Well, yes, the auto industry went to robotics because they don't deal with people. But when you go in to buy food, you deal with people. When you call yeah. a business and you get a computer, doesn't it frustrate you when they say? Uh, thank you for calling Smith Corporation. To talk to somebody in customer service, dial 1. Question about your bill, dial 2. Doesn't it frustrate you a little? 
right, but well, that's logic, beca- that makes things cheaper. Well, it does make things cheaper, but I would rather deal with a person when I go to order my food at Wendy's. I would rather be able to say, well, what happens if I can you do that without the pickles? I want to be able to get an answer from somebody. But if it becomes too cost prohibitive to put a person behind the counter and they put up a kiosk, then I lose that personal touch. I would argue that those jobs might not go away, even if the technology is available, because most people would rather talk to somebody than talk to a computer. All right. So uh, clearly uh, he did not uh, he did not eat my lunch. Oh, I was thinking the opposite. Yeah, he, uh, oh, man, I felt sorry for you. That, that, the, the sweat bullets were just coming off your brow. He, he, didn't, get the, he didn't get it at all. He, he tried. He desperately tried, uh, including making up a computation about how much the price of the goods would increase. What people don't understand is that labor is just like every other product. It's like everything else that goes into the making of a, a good that you buy. The price of labor goes up. You got to cover that cost, and that means the goods go they get more expensive. Um, this is what happens when you don't teach economics in school, and they don't. They're too busy telling them how to have anal sex to teach them about the, the laws of supply and demand. They're too busy telling them about uh, black studies programs and lesbian and gay programs and trans programs to explain to them how the the price of goods and services uh, you know how how they're determined it's a shame uh, the schools and that's that's why we want Chuck Basie on the Columbia School Board but i'm just saying this is what's happening in schools they're wasting your money teaching things they have no business teaching things that should be the milieu of parents not some stranger in a classroom and it, and they're ignoring Teaching them about, you know, the Constitution and economics and how to read and, and, and developing their math skills. It's, it's a shame what's happening in this country, and it is the fault of government schools. Um, we've got a, a story, an MSNBC author, uh, anchor rather, who apparently got a very, very strange cold. Uh, I grew up having colds. Everybody has cold. Everybody catches a cold. And I suppose what she's explaining is possible. But it just doesn't make sense. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll play the, uh, the anchor's explanation. She had apparently two heart attacks. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show 